0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I am the God and the only God who
1: can make peace and create calamity. That's very concerning. So you're the author of the calamity in my life? Wait a minute. What God is saying here is that He is God and as such He is sovereign. Even when we don't understand why it is that He allows that calamity in our lives.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. When difficult times come, many of us are quick to blame God. We act rashly and let our emotions get the best of us. Today, Pastor J.D. explains that although God is the author of your worst times, you can't forget that he's behind your best times. God is working everything for your good, and you need to just trust his timing. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 45 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: In this chapter, the Lord, through the prophet Isaiah, is going to declare repeatedly that He is the Lord and there is no other God. Now, you, of course, would think that this would be a firm grasp of the obvious, but as we're about to see, it's not. And not only does the Lord declare this, He proves this. (laughs) And He does so in a number of ways, as we're going to see here shortly. In so doing, it is His desire that we look to Him and be saved. We're going to see this towards the end. I want you to hang on to those words specifically. Look to the Lord and be saved. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, pastor, with all due respect, I'm already saved. Well, there's more to it than that. As they say, you're preaching to the choir. Well, dare I say, sometimes the choir needs to be preached to, and so does the pastor too. God is going to declare that His Word has gone out in righteousness, and it shall not return, and that every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess, The prophet Isaiah, by the Holy Spirit, is going to declare this, as the Apostle Paul would echo this. It's recorded for us in Philippians chapter 2 verses 11 and 12, I think it is. If my memory serves me correctly, it probably doesn't, but let's just say it does. And one of my favorite verses, we talk about it often, but it is a prophetic promise, and it will come to pass, because there is coming a day when every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Verse 1. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I, verse 2, will go before you and make the crooked places straight speaking of Cyrus, I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. Now we have this most astounding prophecy concerning this man named Cyrus that was prophesied some 200 years before he came on the scene. I would argue it was probably the better part of hundred and fifty years before he was born, and it was certainly at the very least about a hundred years before even his parents were born. And here God, through the prophet Isaiah, is declaring this prophecy about this man, naming him by name, two hundred years prior. Only God can do that. And it's even more astounding than that, as we're going to see next, because it's a prophecy about how God has anointed this man Cyrus to destroy Babylon, the gates of Babylon, the walls of Babylon, the bronze and the iron bars of Babylon, Verse 3, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that you, and here's the reason why, it's not for your sake, that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel my elect. I have even called you by your name. I have named you. Your parents don't know it yet. I've already picked out your name, Cyrus, when you're born. Though you have not known me. Stay with me, because this again is astounding. Not only is this a prophecy about a man, named Cyrus, 200 years prior. It's also a prophecy about this man being anointed and called of God, though he does not know God, God's going to use him. How's God going to use him, and what is God going to use him to do? Oh, God is going to use this Cyrus, King Cyrus, to go to Babylon, and destroy Babylon, and set the Israelites free, to return to Jerusalem, and rebuild the city, and rebuild the walls, and rebuild the temple. Okay, wait a minute. We've got a couple problems here. Problem number one, Babylon isn't even a ruling empire yet. Assyria still is. Oh, but they will be. You'll see. Oh, and another problem, you, you you are declaring with great prophetic specificity that this Cyrus, whom you anoint and call to do this, at the time that he does this, is going to break down those walls. Are you sure about that? Why do you ask? Because the walls were so thick Around Babylon, that it is said that two chariots, they would have chariot races on the top of the wall. That's how thick and wide they were. Seemingly, by any standard, impenetrable. And God's saying, I'm going to have you break them into pieces. Wow. What a prophecy. And <laughs> I was, I was thinking about, uh, in, some Bible commentators have quoted scholars who have I guess done the measurements through some way of archaeology to determine just how wide those walls were, how thick they were. I mean if you can have chariot races on the top of the walls, I mean going in both directions, I don't know how many lanes that is. I live down a lane. I know that there's only one small car that can go down that lane at one time. If somebody's pulling in, we got to pull over so they can come in, because they're not nice. They don't let me, you know, they don't pull over so I can pull out, but whatever. That's a very narrow lane. This was huge. That's a big, thick, wide wall, and he's going to break it down into pieces. Yeah. This prophecy will be fulfilled with 100% accuracy when the time comes. And by the way, if you want, you can go to the book of Daniel, specifically chapter 5, more specifically verse 25. You remember the account, Belshazzar? They're using the gold vessels from the temple that they took when they destroyed and took Jerusalem. And they're having this massive party. Big boo-boo. You don't do that. And then all of a sudden, there's this handwriting on the wall. By the way, just parenthetically let me say, you know there's a lot of sayings we have in our day. Do you know where they got them? they totally plagiarize scripture. And here's another case of that. The handwritings on the wall, oh, yeah, Daniel 5.25, get your own material. (laughs) But that's where that saying comes from, the handwritings on the wall. So here they are partying, they're drunk, they're doing all kinds of debauchery, and all of a sudden, at the very time, the handwriting appears on the wall of Belshazzar's palace. Cyrus has broken into pieces the gates, the walls, the iron, the bronze. And you know what that writing said? Many, many tekel ufarshin. You know what that means? You have been weighed and found wanting. Can I just very loosely translate that in our vernacular today? (laughs) Game over, buddy. Again, very loose translation, paraphrase. And this prophecy concerning Cyrus was fulfilled exactly as God said it would. Now that's what God did. That's who God used to do it. But now we're going to talk a little bit about why why God did it. Verse 5, I, the emphasis on the I, am the Lord, and there is no other. And if you think about it, no one but God could do what God does. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me. That's the second time. Verse 6, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting (laughs) that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. What? We need to talk about that. Hang on to that. I, the Lord, do all these things. Okay. Now, God is declaring, this is why I'm doing it, so you and they and all will know that I am God. There is no God besides me. No God can do what I, as God alone, can do and did. I am God, and I'm the one who forms light out of darkness, and creates light, and creates darkness. I am the God, and the only God, who can make peace and create calamity. That's very concerning. So you're the author of the calamity in my life? Wait a minute. What God is saying here is that He is God, and as such, He is sovereign, even when we don't understand why it is that He allows that calamity in our lives. Now stay with me on this, because we talk about this often. I don't know that you can talk about it often enough, because it is so Imported. It is of paramount importance. I know for me in my own walk with the Lord, when I understood this and grasped just this one truth, it changed everything in my relationship with the Lord, especially when it comes to adversity and trials and difficulty and those dark storms and painful experiences in life when calamity hits. And there's always that question mark on the end of it. It's just that why question. God, why? Why? And in some ways, that's the wrong question. The question shouldn't be why, as we're going to see here in a moment, but really more so, what is it that you want me to see in this trial? Now, God, why are you doing this to me? I'm not doing anything to you. It's not what I'm doing to you. It's what I'm doing for you by allowing this to happen to you. And the simple truth is, and we see this in Scripture in several places, chief of which is in the book of Job, the first chapter. The devil cannot do anything to us, unless God allows him to. And God will never allow the devil to do anything to us, bring any calamity upon us, unless in the end it serves his purpose, is for his glory, and for our good. Now, the sooner the better, the sooner you can grasp that truth, the better it will be for you, especially when you're in the trial. Because if you don't know that and understand that and grasp that, then you will always question the Lord. You will always question the Lord as to His goodness, His love. You will misinterpret what it is that. God is doing by allowing the calamity. And the enemy's right there to reinforce the lie as the father of lies to try to deceive you to believe that God is angry with you, that God is punishing you. That's why God is allowing this to happen to you. No, he allows the calamity because it serves a greater purpose in the New Testament, when Jesus says to Peter, man, this would have freaked me out, because he says to Peter, Peter, um, so Satan asked for permission to sift you as wheat. Now if I'm Peter, I'm I'm like, you told him no, right Lord? (laughs) No, I I said it's okay. You had to get permission. Just like Satan had to get permission from God before he could do anything to Job. Couldn't touch him unless God allowed him. Same thing with Peter. Satan had to ask me for permission to sift you, to allow calamity to come upon you. And I gave him permission. (laughs) Why, Lord? (laughs) Did I do something wrong? No it serves my purpose. Because see, you're going to get sifted. And after the sifting, there's an after to that sifting. There's an after to that storm. There's an after to that trial. After you're going to minister to your brothers. Think about that. I'm going to allow the enemy to do this because it's going to be for your good and my glory. And not only that, but it's also going to be a blessing to others. Have you ever thought about it like that? How about when the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church and tells them that we are able to comfort others with the same comfort that we ourselves were comforted with by the Lord? Have you ever thought of it like, Sometimes God will allow you to go through something so painful because He's going to use you in the life of another who's going to go through a similar experience. And you're going to be there to comfort them and say to them and testify to them, you know, here's what the Lord did for me. He comforted me, He strengthened me, He got me through it, and He's going to get you through it too. And you can encourage them with the encouragement that you yourself were on the receiving end of from the Lord. You can comfort them with the same comfort that you yourself were on the receiving end of from the Lord. This is why. This is why. It's the why behind the what. Verse 8, Rain down, you heavens from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open. Let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to him, verse 9. Grief, curse, sorrow, woe to him who strives with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. And then he asks this question, shall the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, he has no hands? Wow, this is very poetic. And I think we would do well to really take a closer look at what the Lord wants us to see here. This has to do with, again, questioning the Lord. It's as absurd and comical as the clay questioning the potter. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you making Stop your clay. You have no right to question the potter. You're clay in the potter's hands. You know that hymn, it's, I was going to say, it's my favorite hymn, but it's, all the hymns are my favorite. But this one in particular, because my mom, when I was just a kid, actually made me and paid me to sing this in church. And it was hymn number 272 in the hymnal. I still have that hymnal today in my library. The very same hymnal. Page 272. You know what the hymn is? Have Thine Own Way. You know how the words go? I don't want to butcher it or botch it, but it's basically like this. Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after your will while I am waiting. And this is the hard part. Yielded and still. Okay, I was okay until the yielded and still part, because see, the potter, and we're all prone to it, is questioned by the clay, and we question the Lord. That's like the clay questioning the Lord. Lord, why are you doing this? Why are you making me like this? Why are you allowing this? That's the equivalent of the clay questioning the potter. But it gets worse than that, because there are also those who strive with their maker. So in other words, it's one thing to question the Lord, but it's another thing to fight against the
0: Lord. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor JD. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah looking forward to next time here on in spirit in truth